This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we're going to continue our Botching Afghanistan series with Eddie and Andrea Gallagher. So they were our guests on episode 210 of this podcast where they came on and talked about their book, The Man in the Arena, From Fighting ISIS to Fighting for My Freedom. So Eddie is a retired Navy SEAL, and Andrea obviously is a Navy SEAL spouse, and she was very integral in making sure that he didn't end up in prison. If you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, go back to episode 210 and listen to this. But they both had some very, very interesting comments about what's going on in Afghanistan. And again, just a reminder on these episodes, we're not doing the normal intro. We're not doing the normal outro. We're not doing some of the same editing. We're just going to get right into the content so you guys can take it in and move on with your day. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, Eddie and Andrea Gallagher, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I wish the, it was under better circumstances, but as I told you off air just a second ago, I didn't come in with any prepared questions or anything that I wanted to kind of get to, but I know that both of you are very, very close to the situation of and the people that were really integrally involved in what's going on in Afghanistan, and this is being recorded on Monday, the, uh, let's see what day it is, Monday the 16th, so if uh, some more news comes out after this, we can obviously make sure the comments are going with that, but let me just open it up to both of you, I would just like your perspectives from being, you know, a military spouse, but also a retired military member. You know, what do you think about what's going on currently with the Taliban in Afghanistan? Um, so I can, you know, I'll give you my perspective. You know, um, I don't want to sound like brash or whatever, but I think that this was inevitable. Um, this was coming sooner or later. Uh, it's, you know, we, we tried to stabilize that country as best we could the past two decades. And I, we did a hell of a job. I think, you know, everybody that was tasked with uh, trying to stabilize that country and try to push back the enemy, which was the Taliban has, has done that and has gone above and beyond. Um, and I think that, you know, this, some, like I, I you know, we just saw a post uh, not too long ago by Stumpf, but you know, somebody was going to get, get caught holding the bag and had to deal with this uh, eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I think really is angering, myself uh, and other veterans is the execution of how this has been, you know, this withdrawal has been uh, laid out um, as you know, you can see right now and just, just seeing the images of these, you know, these Afghanis clinging onto the planes, you know, as they take off and, and falling from the sky. I mean, it it really shows just what kind of evil that we were fighting over there. Um, And I, I, I really hope that the American people can, understand just how great we have it over here. Um, you know, how great this country is to, and I wish they could get into like the mind of these people that are literally clinging onto the wings of a plane, knowing that they're probably going to die, but they're doing that to escape of what's, what's coming. Um, and that, that to me, you know, it's, it's tragic to watch. Um, and I, I do, I feel for those people. I feel for all the, Afghans that are over there that helped us out in the past two two decades um and you know I just know I know what's coming um you know those people are going to be executed uh the Taliban does not mess around uh but I I will say this I I it's I don't want to like have this negative attitude about it like this was all for nothing because it wasn't it was we did our job over there we kept we kept the wolf at bay for the past two decades um we definitely helped stabilize that region as best we could um but you know how long can we, can we keep doing that? Uh, 
you know, I don't, I don't think the American people have the uh, appetite to just keep staying over there. And, you know, we have our own problems at home as well. Uh, but, you know, it is, it's a, it's a, it's tragic to watch. And I think, you know, the other thought I have on it is this uh, administration has known they were going to do this. Uh, and I'm like, well, where, where was the plan? Like you guys have known you were going to do this. I mean, you announced it to the world. I think was it last week that by September 11th, everybody would be pulled out and then you're, you know, you preemptively started doing it, but you just let the Taliban know, okay, we're just going to wait, wait it out like they've been doing. And now the Taliban is doing exactly what we expected them to. And, you know, the Afghan forces that we've been training with over there are, they're definitely not capable of, as we can see, uh, yeah. of holding the line. Um, and I think that the American people have been lied to by certain generals, uh, you know, this whole time saying that the, the, the uh, Afghan army and the government can, you know, withstand the Taliban and uh, remain stable. And anybody that's served over there in the past two decades know that's just not, it's not true. Right. Well, Eddie, I want to follow up on the general stuff here in just a second, but Andrew, I'd love to hear your perspective. Cause again, while Eddie was gone fighting some of these guys that have now just been released from the prison at Bagram and all these different places, you were here kind of keeping everything squared away on the home front. And I could see from your perspective and hearing from other military spouses and some gold star spouses that they are wondering, was it worth it? So, so what are you thinking right now? Well, I think I've questioned Eddie on the point that he made, which is like, how do you go in, um, and not have a more formalized plan where we're seeing this level of like fallout. And so that's, what's hard for me to understand, even as a civilian or a military spouse, I don't understand how we got to this point that we just toiled in that country, lost lives uh, for the past 20 years. And then this execution is so horrific that, you know, I think it's going to play out on the national and international stage as, you know, an absolute huge failure and it will come under the Biden administration. But I think that, you know, for me, I think of the families, I think of the wives and the mothers and the fathers that have buried their sons and daughters and the women that had children without husbands there. And it's sad for me to think that we have basically, you know, had all of these people who are higher up, the leadership, the generals, the people in this administration, they're all going to continue to line their coffers and they're going to go on. And it doesn't really have the same effect as the people that are the serving on the ground and the families that have sacrificed everything. It's very, I can see why it's so disheartening to so many service members and so many loved ones, because it really, it really does take a toll, I think on those families. And I agree with my husband. I, what he did, what they all did, even even if they lost their lives, it was all for a righteous cause. They served their government. They served the American public for two decades. But now we're going to face all of those people. We're nearly at the 20-year mark of 9-11, all of these invisible wounds, all of the very visible wounds. And then on top of it, this failure, I think it is going to be really hard for people in this country to you know realign and we've got we've got to have people held accountable for these things um, and not just the families that are going to be suffering in the wake of this um, it's got to be people high up that we question why are we over there 20 years if we cannot execute this properly and you know we're seeing that play out now and, and i don't have the answers to that but it is very disheartening well you both have talked about military leaders and obviously i got you know 
a mouthful of military leaders from the man in the arena and some of the stuff that was going on and all that nonsense. But I was thinking about what you talked about in the man in the arena, where you had these people that were incredibly unimpressive when it became, when it came to anything militaristic, right. But they were impressive when it came to politics. And so Mm -hmm. the thing that no one's really seeming to talk about, at least not right now, because everything's so fresh is what exactly were these generals doing? Now people are trying to give these generals a pass and saying, Oh, well they told Joe Biden to do something different and all that. But I don't really get that in some of their public commentary. So what's kind of your perspective in terms of the the type of, because I feel like the generals are the most responsible after Joe Biden, because Joe Biden is the commander in chief, you know, the buck stops with him. But what about these generals? What about these people that were misleading the public? Well, I'll, I'll start and then I'll let Eddie close out. But I think, you know, we've seen General Milley and Biden within the past 30 days. I mean, they can't gaslight us on this. We right. have them saying they were ready. They were prepared. So I think that we've, we've faced a lot in this country in 2020 and 2021. Our family went through a huge debacle to do with the government and the hierarchy and military and lies and deception. And it's like, we're, we're seeing it play out now on a national level. And so I think we have had our eyes opened up, kind of seeing behind a curtain that we didn't know existed. And I think what we're going to see is there has to be accountability there has to be things that are done. And they have already told us, they told us less than 30 days ago that they were prepared. They were ready. This was not going to be like another Vietnam. It It's literally the same. And I mean, I know he has more to say about it, but um, I think there has to be some, at some point, the American public has to say enough with all this gaslighting. They're constantly double talk, double speak. We've got to have answers. And like my husband has emphasized, if he went out and made a plan or his, you know, his troop made a plan and something happened during that, you have to give an after action. You have to give an, a report and account. And right now what we're seeing is we have no president to account and we have no administration to account. And again, this is from a civilian and a former spouse perspective. I'm in shock about what's going on. I hope that we do get answers and they do come from higher up, but I'll let him speak to more in depth. But that's I, I'm just I really I'm in, I'm in awe of what's right. going on right now. Yeah, uh, you know, just from my perspective, it's it's kind of disheartening uh, to see what this military leadership has become over the past couple of years. Um, you know, and like we, we just talked about, we've known this was coming. We've known the withdrawal was coming at some point this year. Uh, but it seems like these military leaders are more focused on uh, pushing woke ideology, uh, critical race theory, everything else down. I mean, they which I'm like that that shouldn't be your main focus when you have a big task at hand as pulling America out of Afghanistan, pulling our troops out. But it's definitely shown right here that they have put no thought into this whatsoever. And for that, they should be held accountable. I mean, being in the military, you know, like if you are in charge of a mission and you make a piss poor plan Mm -hmm. and you execute execute that piss poor plan and people die, you're gone. Like, Mm -hmm. You're fired. No questions. That should be happening right now. Um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, we'll see what the fallout is going to be after this. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, it's, uh, I know a lot of, a lot of people are pissed, um, about what's going on. Well, I wonder if the Joint Chiefs are going to keep talking about climate change being the number one imminent threat to the homeland and all those types of things. Because again, when things are going well, you can point at woke ideology, you can point at climate change, you can point at all these things. But whenever whenever the wolf's at the door, it becomes a little bit of a different story. Uh, just last question off the top of my head, because I know you guys got to go on to the next thing. But the thing that, that 
for me as a civilian, I heard the people talk about, we've been over there for 20 years and it's this endless war and we don't have an idea of what we're doing and, and all those things. And there's some merits of truth to that. But I also know that the last casualty we suffered in Afghanistan was 18 months ago. So this mm-hmm. isn't the ongoing war. This isn't 2003, 2004. This isn't, you know, Ramadi when it was its hottest or any of those types of things. We also have troops in Germany and troops in Japan and the world war two ended 75 some odd years ago. You know, we have troops in Korea. And so is there any merit to me thinking to myself like, okay, leaving a few thousand troops there to, to basically back up the Afghans to at least keep the wolf at bay, to keep the Taliban and Al Qaeda and anybody else at bay. Is that, was that a realistic thing for me to be thinking, or am I just kind of thinking fancifully? No, I mean, we could definitely have left some people behind, uh, you know, maybe not, conventional troops, but, you know, have special operators staged, you know, at certain places um, to make sure the Afghan army is doing their job and make to give them the confidence they need to fight back on the Taliban. You know, the fact that we just picked up and left and just left them like, Hey, there you go. It's you're on your own. Yeah. That's uh, demoralizing to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had them as partners for two, two decades Mm -hmm. now and just to pick up and leave like that. It doesn't, you know, I'm sure it doesn't leave a good taste in their mouth either. Uh, you know, it's, I, I definitely, and that's when it comes down to the planning. This could have been planned a lot better. Uh, you know, there should have been contingencies put in place. Um, and it just, it seems like none of that was thought of. Right. So, well, I lied. I totally have a follow-up because, uh, and it's your fault because you brought up something that I'd forgotten about. But what about the Terps? What about the the informants? What about the people that were over there? And and I'm just talking about the ones, and this is going to seem a little bit insensitive. I'm not even talking about the ones that are going to have their heads chopped off, which is already happening. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the ones that are going to make it, the ones that are going to survive, that are, that are going to find a way to survive and make it out. When we inevitably go back in, and I don't mean like with Biden, you know, sending in, you know, four or 5,000 troops right now. I mean, when we go back for real, I can't think of a single scenario where those people are ever going to trust the United States ever again. I don't know why the Kurds trust us. I don't know why why most of these people trust us. Is that going to lead to much, much worse outcomes down the road than even what we've seen in the last 20 years? I think that's undoubtable. I mean, I, I can't imagine how it wouldn't. I heard something today saying there's 18,000 you know, family members and people over there that have been supporting the the U.S. there in some capacity. And you think about the toll that that's going to take. They thought that the promise of the United States to help them extricate and get out was going to happen. And now we're seeing that's not. So even people that were loyal to us, loyal to the cause, believed in what we were doing over there are probably now going to be either just laid waste or like you said, I cannot imagine. And I I wanted to give this scripture. This is what's been ringing in my head all day is um, Jesus says in Luke 14, 28 through 30, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down and first count the cost, whether he has enough to finish least after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it will begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And I get chills thinking about that. And that's what I feel like we're facing right now. I mean, you know, we set out with these intentions and high lofty moral goals, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it sadly does not seem like we have done right by these people. And I, I hope it doesn't lead to more loss of American lives. Like you said, I heard, I also heard it was more closer to 7,000 troops being sent sure. in to correct this problem. I'm, I'm in fear for those families. Yeah. But you know, on the other hand, I, you know, there, what we were doing over there, there is evil over there. And that's, that's what it came come down to is, you know, politics and all that aside during my, my uh, career, 
we were over there mm -hmm. defeating evil, which is the most you know righteous way I can put it. Um, and evil will always exist, um, and there will always be good people to stand up and fight against it. So I think you know that's we're going to continue to that's going to continue to happen down the road. Yeah, and I think this should be the death knell to people that have said things like, oh, we can defeat this ideology. This is an ideology that can't be stamped out. This is a fungus that will always grow. Yeah. Um, and whenever people can start to realize that, again, when you come from a Christian worldview, you know that humanity is flawed. But then you can obviously look at Islamic fundamentalist you know, it's not extremism, it's fundamentalism. You can look at it in its right, proper category as something that this can't be eradicated. You can only eradicate the people that are perpetuating that evil. But before I get off into another podcast, I know you guys got to go. Thank you both so much for coming back on. Is there anything that you want to say as some parting words on this? No, I think we're just happy that you had us back on. Kyle. Yeah. Thanks so much for everything that you're doing and we appreciate you. Um, all right, guys. Yeah, that's just, you know, to all the vets out there that listen, you know, I know this has to be real hard. I mean, it's hard for uh, me as well, but uh, you know, I don't want people to go into despair. Like this was all for nothing. Uh, we did a righteous job over there. We defeated evil mm -hmm. as best we could. Um, and it, you know, all of my friends who died over there, all my brothers who died over there, they died doing exactly what they wanted to do. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that, you know, all the people out there, the vets out there that are listening, you know, you did the right thing. This is not your fault. This is, this is our administration. Um, you did what you were told and you did it to the best of your ability. That's a good word to end on. Appreciate you both. Thank Thanks, you. Kyle.